0: on youth workers. Paul Turner here from the Project.net here with another episode for you today. I hope that you're doing well. hope that things are awesome in your part of the world, wherever you may be listening from. And today I have awesome, awesome guests, my friends from over at First Century Youth Ministry, Mark Schaefer, Heather Kiros, and they're going to be breaking down a parable for you today using what they call parable hacks. And it's a whole discussion. They're going to break it down for you. You could literally steal this lesson and go teach it. Uh, but you might want to check out some other resources first, which we will talk about in the uh, in the session itself. And there'll be links down in the show notes. Uh, before we get to the interview with Mark and Heather, I want to talk to you about, it's never too early to get started for Easter. So if you're listening right now, you say, Paul, what am I going to do for Easter? Well, I think I have you covered, okay? I have an Easter Lent bundle that has uh, nine resources in it that I think you're going to be interested in. It has prayer stations. It has IG uh, graphics and devotions. It has uh, a devotion book called Coming Clean, 40 Days of Lent. It even has St. Patrick's Journal worship experience. Uh, It takes the prayer of St. Patrick and breaks it down. It is really, really cool. Uh, It has a five-week series, uh, Start Again. And I mean, isn't that what Easter is about? Starting again. You could preach this as part of Easter. It also has a soap journal with the start again in soap stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And you can print those off and have students go through it at their own pace where they're actually studying the Bible for themselves using the soap method. It is just packed with a bunch of resources if you if you celebrate easter which i'm pretty sure most of you do or lent this bundle has you covered and i hope that you will check it out and there's a link down in the description like i said so that is it for the fluff but i want to jump into this conversation with heather and with uh, mark and i hope you enjoy it it's really really good these are great people uh check out their links below but let's go ahead and jump in to the interview all right and welcome mark and heather to the show. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to be here. <laughs> Man, well, I'm excited to have you guys. Heather's been here before. She's uh, she's old hat. Mark's the new guy. And I'm super excited to have you guys here. But before we jump into hacking parables, uh let's talk about your origin stories. Tell me a little bit about each of you and your journey uh towards youth ministry and and how you, how that became your kind of um the thing you you you've gravitated towards. Go ahead,
1: Heather. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I don't have your typical youth ministry story, probably. I never like grew up wanting to be a youth minister or to be in youth ministry. I simply, I think honestly, as I reflect back on my youth ministry story, I think a solid youth ministry with adults investing in me and loving me and caring for me in my brokenness is what I needed the most. And I loved my church growing up, but we just didn't have anybody really leading our youth ministry other than kind of random volunteers at different times. And, you know, I wasn't too involved in it. Um, I don't ever remember there being much uh, leadership um, consistently with it. And so I think youth ministry in a time of darkness in my life as a teenager is what I needed the most. And so I just, I think I just started gravitating towards teenagers, maybe in a weird way, because I um, started seeing... And them, what I saw in myself as a young person who struggled with depression and who struggled with, um, you know, suicidal thoughts and things like that. And I just wanted to, uh, let them know that they were loved. And so I think I, in doing that, I just found myself there and I haven't quit since. Right. So oh, that, that's
0: pretty, that's, Hey, that's a, that's an excellent origin story. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of stories like that. out there, I think that uh, people who got involved, yeah, you know, not directly because of you know, uh, there was you know one silver bullet that kind of did it. It was like a, a multitude of experiences. Yeah, uh, and a lot of our listeners and viewers probably have uh, similar experiences as well, Mark. Uh, which I almost said, what's your excuse? (laughs) Mark, what's your excuse? Why are you in youth (laughs) ministry? That's a fair way
2: to say it. (laughs) Uh, I was actually actually bitten by a radioactive spider who happened to be a youth pastor. Oh, And the
0: rest is history. Was Um, it a, was it a, was it a spider dressed like a very cool
1: youth pastor?
2: Yeah. He had a great haircut and awesome (laughs) sneakers. Um, And he played
1: the guitar. (laughs)
2: That's right. Um, Honestly, I had great adults that helped me when I was a teenager. And over time, I wanted to be like that, like their mentorship mattered a lot to me. And I went through an experience just briefly where I put all of my identity into being a state champion wrestler, and it didn't happen. Like I just flat out fell short of that goal. And I remember telling my mom, from now on, I want to help other kids not place their value in the wrong things. And I never looked back. I started volunteering with students immediately in college and I've never stopped. Wow. That's a straight line. Yeah. That's like, that's like, that's something that was
0: like super deep. It was like, oh, well, that's, that's gotta happen. We can't have students running around, putting
2: their value in other things i think it's the adults in my life that all along they were telling me like if you placed all of your value Mm. in an accomplishment you can't control the result or maybe you'll get exactly what you want and and it won't be enough and it'll let you down and it was like i had that gear to kick in the whole time and it took the reality of failure Mm. to make me go forward to it you know
0: yeah yeah, that sounds a lot like social media today. Social media is the state
2: wrestling oh, yeah. of, uh, of our age. Definitely. Yeah, I'm really good at failing on social media because <laughs> you know I failed when I was young. <laughs> no, but really, I, like, I think um, w- something I love about both my story and Heather's story is the adults in our lives mattered. Yeah. And it didn't have to be formal or over-programmed. Yeah, Um, Or really over the top as a youth ministry, we simply had adults telling us what was true Yeah, and it helped over time.
1: Yeah. I remember I had a softball pitching coach. That was where the adult that cared about me. Right. And that just a small investment say, Hey, Heather, how are you really doing? It really made a huge difference in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, both of those, let me tell you something. If you're watching, if you're listening, that's a youth ministry hack right there. You there don't you have go. to be, you don't have to be state champ of the, you know, nope. of wrestling or the quarterback, uh, you know, of your winning state team. You don't have to be any of those things. You can just care. And if you're, yeah. I know that there's a lot of, that'll be watching and listening that they're bivocational, they're volunteers, yep. they're plumbers, they're carpenters, they're, they're yeah. people of the land
1: who there just say, Ooh, the, I'm they, they are go. just
0: people of the land. Mm-hmm who okay. are uh, who are just investing in students? So if you feel like you're not making a difference, I got news for you. I got two guests right here today that say otherwise that yeah. there there's people, parents uh, making a difference in the lives of youth workers. So uh, so tell me real quick then, why why sh- well, should youth workers uh, take a a first century view of youth ministry? It sounds anachronistic. It, it depends sense, if you so, want
2: to know what a disciple is well that's true right i mean serious if you want to know what a disciple is you need to understand what a disciple was 100% do you, do, you, know?
1: do you,
0: i would i would ask this then i would ask what do you think discipleship has become rather than first century Ooh. what do we what do we see today maybe that's that should be a red flag that says maybe we ought to go back to the first century because what uh, we're seeing. Before, is not what...
2: Yeah. And before responding to that, let me be rabbinical and ask another question. Is discipleship today working? Um, I yeah. the other day said about 50 percent of kids are walking away from their faith. And Heather corrected me that actually the percentage is much higher. The students that we put through our ministries are more often than not um, becoming nuns like affiliating with no religion when they go to college. And so is discipleship working or not? Well, the answer to that is no. If we Mm -hmm. backtrack why, I think a lot of the training I received in how to do youth ministry was effectively putting on a show for students that made much of God and the intent and the heart behind it was good but really relationally knowing students so that you can transform them was the missing piece that I see Jesus doing really well. And now I'll shut up and let Heather speak to that because she does it like really eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, is, Mark is just a blunt instrument. He, Marcus, he just <laughs> hits yeah. it like a I meat cleaver. I get us in trouble and then Heather digs us out on this show much every time. Uh, dig away,
0: Heather. I, I think that was perfectly fine, by the way. I think that is an excellent, excellent uh, analysis of, of discipleship. So go ahead, Heather, and uh, no digging permitted. Just go ahead and no well, apologies for anything.
1: Let me give a practical example that might be helpful. Thanks, So Heather. you betcha. So my grandparents on my dad's side both passed away. My, I never knew my grandfather and my grandmother died when I was six. And so I don't really, I really don't know my grandparents on my father's side well at all. And, uh, but my mother's side, my grandparents lived for a very long time. And my grandmother's still living. My grandfather just passed away last year. He was 91. Wow. And so watching my grandmother and my grandfather on my mother's side, I saw different elements and parts of my mother that helped me best understand who my mother was and how my mother came to be who she was, which helped me understand why I act the way that I do certain times, why I have certain ways about me, because I saw it in my grandparents too. And so understanding where I came from helped me understand who I am today. And so there are parts of my dad though, that I don't understand fully because I don't understand, I've not known his parents, I've not known my grandparents. And so how can we understand Jesus in his fullness If we don't understand where he came from, if we don't understand the the way of life that produced him, and if we don't understand the culture and the context and the time around the first century in which Jesus lived and that shaped him. And so if we don't understand that, how can we truly understand who Jesus is and how he made disciples? And I would also um, agree with Mark in uh, what he said about students leaving the church, that Lifeway Research did a study. Uh, and they asked the question of how many students are leaving the faith for a year or more post-graduation, leaving the church, they're not going to church anymore, um, between the ages of 18 and 22. And they found that I think it was 67% of students are leaving the church. And so I would ask, is discipleship working? And I would say, I don't think so. And so how do we then look back in order to go forward? And that's what that's what our vision and our mission is at First Century Youth Ministry is to equip youth leaders in the Jewish context of Jesus in the first century context of Jesus to move forward, uh, to make better disciples in the 21st century.
0: Yeah, that is, that is fantastic. That is a fantastic explanation. And I think it puts us right where we want to be right now, because we are going to go back and take a look at what Jesus was teaching, right? There's so much teaching that is done. That is, um, very surface level. It's very, mm. uh, 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 you know, just ab- uh, above the, you know, above the borderline here uh, when so much more is beneath it, like the uh, proverbial, um, uh, what am I thinking about? The, uh, uh, these things. Oh, the, iceberg? The, the iceberg. The iceberg. Yeah. The proverbial iceberg yeah. where yeah. most youth workers are just grabbing the the, you know, just seeing the tip of the thing and teaching the surface of it without going mm-hmm. really deep yeah. into what is really going on. And today you guys have uh, graciously, uh, uh, you know, submitted yourself to hack, hack, and I say that in the best way, (laughs) hack a parable that we're going to do. And this is from your series, by the way, you guys do have a series on the parables and uh, you offer some hacks So we're going to look at a parable today. So those that are watching, those that are listening, feel free to take notes Uh, but you're going to want to know and understand the process of working through something like a parable. So I'll turn it back to you guys. You guys tell me which parable you're going to work on and how you guys are going to work this in
2: tandem. Sweet. Yeah. So we're going to dive into kind of a shorter one and uh, just for brevity's sake, but also because it's really profound how much Jesus does with like a paragraph of storytelling. And we always tell the youth pastors we work with and the students we work with that whenever Jesus tells a story that's a parable, which literally means to set aside, mm-hmm. so to lay down something beside something else, so he'll tell a story about everyday people and happenings that they totally would have understood. But then there'll be this absurd element that just makes no cultural sense that he uses to bend the way they think about God and what it means to belong to God in really profound ways. So what he does in this like simple paragraph paragraph uh, that we're going to look at, it's a story that flips on its head, everything culture thought about who understood God and who didn't. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do in Luke 18, nine through, I think it runs through 14 the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. All right. Cool. Sounds good, man. Do you have it up Heather or
1: I am finding it right now? Yes. And by the way, for our, for those listening, we're just simply regurgitating a, um, a lesson uh, within our parables curriculum that Paul mentioned. So, um, you know, and just to kind of briefly jump in here a little bit before Mark kind of dives in with the teaching too. One of the things that's really helpful in understanding Jesus from his Jewish context is to understand the rabbinic method and how the rabbis taught, which if you pick up our parables curriculum, or if you get in contact with us, um, we could definitely help you best understand what that is and what that means, which which will better help you understand what exactly the function and meaning of a parable is and um, how Jesus taught, how he, um, Spoke to people why he said the things that he said to people, but I'll let I'll let Mark kind of kind of run into this one for you guys. But yeah, I got it up here, so go ahead, Mark.
2: Yeah, so for Jesus, the interesting thing about Jesus is that he likes to mess with who actually gets the kingdom of God and who does not very consistently. So his stories about the kingdom of God often flip who's able to see and who's actually blind, and so. On the other hand, the very people that consider themselves devout because of religion, um, like the Pharisees or the scribes or the whole list of people that Jesus has that um, actually know a lot about Torah, a lot about the Bible, but somehow miss the kingdom of God, well, they might actually be very far from the heart of God and as a result, very far from loving people. And so Jesus taught his disciples that God actually looks at the inside of people not the outside of people. The last people we expect might get it while the very people we would expect to be close to God are really left in the dark for understanding the kingdom. And so he tells this story in Luke 18, uh, verse nine, it starts. And the setup is like this. It says to some who were confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. So great people to hang out with uh, (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) Jesus told this parable, and this is going to introduce our first hack. Our curriculum has six or seven hacks, H A C K that will get you by like 80, 90% of the time. When you read the parables, if you know, these rules in your back pocket, it will completely transform the way you read it. Every time Jesus tells a story. So parable hack, number one, context is key the author has just told us that Jesus told this story to some people who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else right and so we simply have to read the story knowing that whatever he teaches whatever he says is going to aim right at the heart of someone that thinks because of their own righteousness that they're better does that make sense
1: yeah because oh, yeah. the rabbis or excuse me the pharisees and the religious teachers of jesus's day as mark has pointed out many times mark has done a good job teaching me this that um, they didn't think that the people of the land could participate in the kingdom of god they didn't think that the people of the land were good enough to be a part of the work that god was doing and so a lot of the times when the rabbis other rabbis the other sages religious teachers whom Jesus uh, dealt with would tell a, a parable or a story. It was always about the religious person who did the right thing. And Jesus oftentimes, many times in the gospels, flips a story, yeah. actually make the people of the land or in the Hebrew, it's the Am Ha'aditz, the star of the show. Mm-hmm. And so this is, that's why he's always bringing in these right hooks, right? That we talk about in our curriculum, the absurd element where the people are like, excuse me, what, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, and and we're going to see that show up in this story with the Pharisee and the tax collector too.
2: Yeah, I think so often the like 99% poor that were triple taxed by Rome, the temple system and the Herods would have heard that you know the commoner, the laborer was the hero of the story and they would have just leaned in and laughed and at the same time felt like finally someone's fighting for us or finally Mm -hmm. someone feels like we're approved by God and we can participate. It's so beautiful. It really is. So, Jesus says, two dudes went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Boo. Yeah, boo. (laughs) The Pharisee (laughs) stood by himself and prayed, "Uh, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or Or even even like this tax collector. Yes. I, on the other hand, fast twice a week and give a 10th of all I get. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's pause and do another parable hack. It's called symmetry. So parable hack number two, symmetry, as in you've got a line down the center and two equal sides, you know, as in the definition of beauty, symmetry, Um, although my face is lacking it, but we'll press on. Uh, A lot of times, (laughs) a lot of times Jesus will set up his stories in a symmetrical fashion where like on top of the story, like if you were to map it out is a God character. It may be a vineyard owner. It may be a King. It, it may be just in this case, God, right? Like both people are going before God to give their offering. And then underneath the God character you'll have a left and right side. And so here we have a Pharisee and a tax collector. So if we map this, it's just like a simple triangle with an arrow going down in two directions, God on top, arrow going to the tax collector, arrow going to the Pharisee. And if I asked you as a first century Jewish person to circle the righteous person, you would have no problem walking up to the whiteboard and saying, Pharisee, that's the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather, Heather has done a great job of pointing out, like when we teach cohorts, that the people looked up to the Pharisees' righteousness is almost unattainable. And so it would be like your pastor, your senior pastor gives an offering and a, and yeah. a tax collector gives an offering, right? Or mm-hmm. a priest or or a someone that's very high up in supposedly getting God in his way of life. And he and goes up prepper- and he gives us... Yeah, go ahead, Heather. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to add, and the purpose of the symmetry in the parable for the teacher was to get his listeners to choose which one are you in the story. That's the point of the parable is not to tell you what yeah. to do, but to give you an example, as it's uh, called a sepaside, setting a real story um, behind another, uh, setting two stories beside each other to get you to choose uh, which one you are, Um I'm sorry, setting yeah. two people in story beside each other to choose which one you are. That's what I meant to say. Sorry.
2: Yeah. No, that's perfect. And so this prayer from the Pharisee, by the way, like, thank God I'm not a turd like every, all these other people, especially the tax collector, right? It sounds really arrogant, but we have a handful of prayers just like this in Jewish literature. So let me read one from the Talmud from Barakot 28b. Here goes. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, that you've set my portion with those who sit in the Beit Midrash or the study house where you study Torah. You have not set my portion with those who sit in the street corners, for I rise early and they rise early, but I rise for the words of Torah. They rise for words of frivolous talk. Mm -hmm. I labor Mm. and they labor, but I labor and receive a reward like from God they labor and they do not receive a reward. I run and they run, but I run to the life of the age to come and they run to the pit of destruction. So quite harsh, but it situates this Pharisees prayer is actually quite common. It's a posture of the heart. And many people do this when they come close to the things of God, they start to assume themselves righteous and other others unrighteous. And Jesus is going to poke on this, right? Mm -hmm. So in Jesus day, while everyone assumed the Pharisees were the most righteous and the most justice, like justified with God, Jesus is going to like punk on that whole system. Okay, which
1: brings in another parable hack, which is the
2: Absurd elements. That's right. Tell them about that, Heather. For well, the a absurd
1: element is the thing that you wouldn't expect. It's the comes out of nowhere. It's the right hook that Jesus brings in that makes his listeners drop their jaws and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And one of the things that, and this is what we teach our youth leaders and our cohorts too, as they're teaching this curriculum to their students, is try to contextualize this in a way that you bring your students into the story. So they might not understand. What a Pharisee and a task collector is, but they know what the most beloved religious person is in their minds, right? Which is usually a pastor or a priest or something like that. And they know it's what never a the youth
2: pastor either. It's always pastor a never pastor, the most loved, Which is such bull. But anyway. Yeah,
1: I know. Um, I have, I remember one time they'd ask me, they're like, so what do you do for a job? I'm like, this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard that before <laughs> so too. Great. I have yeah. too. Yeah.
1: And so, anyways, um, and they know what the most hated is. Like I did this one time with my kids in Sunday school. I said, what's the most hated? And they said, well, uh, probably a human sex trafficker. They said a pimp, but right. So, so I said, okay, so a pastor and a pimp or a human sex trafficker go to the front of the church. Right. And so then we, we brought it into their world and, and it came to life and the light bulbs came off and it was, so cool. And everybody dropped their draw when they were like, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, what? The right, the righteous person in the story isn't the pastor, it's the human sex trafficker. And then they're like, and I'm like, Yep. Yeah.
2: According to God.
1: Parable. Yeah. According That's to That's the it's absurd part. element. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And almost every one of Jesus' stories has an absurd element. If you've read it and you have not figured out what is shocking, you haven't understood the parable yet. Yeah. So let's read the text and then let's unpack it. It says, yeah. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up toward heaven, but beat his chest and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified. And then this last statement um, is called a nimshal. A parable is called a mashal. That is a comparison in Hebrew or, and uh, a nimshal means what has been compared Yeah. So here's what has been compared. Jesus says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's very much that thing Jesus would teach again. And again, where he flips the characters and then says, actually the last are going to be first. The first shall be last. The people you don't expect are going to get it. The people you think are religious all the time, they might be total posers. Yeah. And so the absurd element is that actually the tax collector is who God sees as righteous. And this is like, the reason this is shocking is that tax collectors in the first century were viewed as sellouts Mm -hmm. to the hated Romans. They collected huge amounts of money from families and villages and then handed it over to Roman governors and were famous for skimming some for themselves off the top. The Chosen's done a great job of showing just how much Matthew is hated for being a tax collector, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the that Nimsholt, it's kind of like a first century mic drop where Jesus kind of puts that last yeah, line yeah. in there, boom, and then walks off the stage. And everybody's like, whoa. You know? And it's just this yeah. great meat for them to chew on that leaves them with this wild parable. And then they go, Okay, I need to sit on these words. There's something here. Yeah. So. Go ahead and finish
2: up the yep, caramel. Yeah, mom. yeah uh, so I mean, just I almost text. called you Matt. I, I seriously, almost- <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. It's happened. I was telling them earlier, you guys. It's happened my whole life. I tell people that my name's Mark, and I don't know if <laughs> I look like a Matt or if like I'm not a very big dude. So sometimes people like they'll, you know, I'll meet them, but they'll forget me really quickly. I'm not big, and I'm not imposing, and so like. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, yeah. What do you think, Matt?" And they're trying to include me, but they totally got my name wrong. Yeah. I get called Matt so much; it's hilarious.
1: It's only because okay. it was in the pre-show.
2: That's why it was in my head. That's, well, you didn't it call him Chad. So funny. Very Chad. I mean, Mark. I mean, Matt. I mean, That's right. name? Um, my okay. nine-year-old. My nine-year-old is, my nine-year-old is into calling everyone a Karen right now. He'll be like, <laughs> yeah. "Don't be a Karen, Dad." Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. So just to hammer this home, though, tax collectors are so hated that they're listed in the New Testament alongside prostitutes and sinners. And in the Mishnah, they're included in a list with bandits and robbers, like the people that would bludgeon you in the back of the head along the road and take your money. Tax collectors are like that, right? They basically thought they were empire sanctioned thieves. And no one could ever imagine God liking a tax collector. This is a story where if you were... One of the religious leaders, or one of the 99% poor, hardworking Jews, the Amha Aretz, the people of the land, you would have been like, What? The tax collector? Yeah. And that's the point.
1: That's right. And he'll leave it
2: right there and he'll let it sit with you. And, you know, when we do a cohort with youth pastors, our goal is not to explain the story, it's to go the next step and say, How do you bring this down? Mm -hmm. to what it looks like to follow Jesus to your kids and how do you map this for your kids. And that's why what Heather was saying is so important. Like, can you think of a really, really religious person that should be in good with God? And then can you think of the worst person imaginable? Those are the buttons that Jesus is pushing on.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just real briefly too, for those people who might've heard a couple words that they didn't quite get. So we talked about the Talmud and the Mishnah. So here's why these are important. Sometimes, you know, we might look at those words and say, well, that's really Jewish. I don't get why this matters when we're talking about Jesus. But so it was an ongoing discussion about how to live out the Torah, how to live out the Hebrew Bible. It's a commentary on how to follow God. And it's very popular within the Jewish world. It was very much alive and active during the time of Jesus. It wasn't actually written down um, until after Jesus died. Um, but it
2: records the debates that Jesus is walking around having with these guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so when we talk about the Talmud and the Mishnah, it's important to understand those and how they played a role in the time of the first century and to to hear stories from within them, because it helps us best understand what, what were the conversations happening during the time of Jesus among the sages? What were they talking about? What were they teaching? You know, like for Mm -hmm. example, we might say, well, why does that matter? I just need to see, read what's in the Bible, but you know, it's there, it's there for me. Blah, right. And, but so for example, um, the other night at a basketball game, one of my partners kid did something. I don't know what he did. Boop, were you ref? Were you refing? I was. Yeah. And they don't you know, know
2: that Heather's a ref, you guys, she's really uptight about basketball rules. And <laughs> once in a while she'll tell us about a basketball rule and she'll get so impassioned that her face will turn red and she'll pound on the table. It's
1: Anyways. True. Yeah. Yeah. Just over like just
2: list- the foul line and stuff like that. Yeah. Is just, there a foul yeah. line in basketball? You know what I mean? There's
1: no foul line. No. Um, there's an out I'm of bounds line. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but so my partner, boop, right. Busted a technical foul, which is a foul that is made against a player or a coach or somebody like that who goes out of bounds, right? They say something out of bounds. They say something out of line. They do something out of line that is um, disruptive to the game or that is really disrespectful or unsportsmanlike. And so I could say, okay, he got a technical foul, whatever. Or I could say, well, why do you get a technical foul? And it best to understand, helps me understand why did this basketball official offer this interpretation of the rule of technical foul to give one? Because well now I go to my 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 buddy and I say well, why'd you give the second fall well this is what he did oh okay well understanding what's behind the reasoning for why he did it helps me best understand right why the rule <clears throat> was context made, right the context and the same with Jesus right the same with Jesus's world is that there's all these um, basketball officials running around if you will who are offering these interpretations of
0: blowing their whistle yeah <laughs> blowing their
1: whistle how to follow God. And if we don't understand the discussion and the reasonings for why, and, you know, all of that, we don't really understand fully, um, the time of the first century and the words and the teachings of uh, the sages and of Jesus, even himself. Yeah.
0: Well, something, let me tell you something I learned that I, I found perspective with, because I learned something as I was teaching this, I've taught this. I have one lesson left to go with my students. Yeah. If you understand the parables, you will understand why they hated Jesus so much. Mm. Yeah that, that I understood, I'm yep. going, wow, they really hated Jesus because yeah. it was because w- w- what he was teaching was so abhorrent to them mm-hmm. that, that it, under, it helps me it helped me understand the depth of hatred yeah. that they had for him because of the way he was deconstructing everything
1: sure. in yeah. their world. And it made them
2: the, really nervous. Totally. Yeah, and at, at the same time, you'll uncover the great gift that Jesus gave to us still, but to people of his time too. It's the most normal thing imaginable for a follower of Jesus today to believe that we relate to God internally and that we pray to God internally and that there's an internal virtue of our heart that's oriented towards God and causes us to love other people. In Jesus' day, it was a complete sacrificial system. Mm -hmm. And he walks in and basically says, it's actually internal piety that counts. And just like in this story, the tax collector actually has a heart for God and for others. And the religious leader doesn't even get it, who may have offered every sacrifice that he needed to. And brought as many times as he needed to lucky the lamb to the altar. Mm-hmm. And that's a great gift and one that no one saw coming that comes through Messiah Jesus. And it is, it's a complete affront to a sacrificially based religion. And, and another thing I learned,
0: I, well, I don't know if I, I learned, it. I like the way it was phrased because it's a question in the, in this particular lesson, it says, what does that say about Jesus? that he had a tax collector on his team there you go yeah and i thought that is a really good question what does that say about jesus that he was willing to invite somebody that was so hated yeah by by you know by his peers if you'll say that you know that by his peers that he's willing to take him around with him and and show him off as a uh as an example of somebody that's
2: following him
1: that's right yeah. And it how means many, there's heard- not
2: one single student in your ministry or in your orbit that can't be completely transformed.
1: Amen. That's good.
2: It's hundred percent true. Well guys, that is a fantastic lesson. It
0: is one of six. Is that correct? Six lessons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And like I said, I'm one away. Can you tell everybody where can they get these six lessons? Cause it comes with video mm-hmm. and it comes with the PDFs. Mm-hmm. And it comes and then you guys have cohorts. If you guys, if there are people that are watching, listening, they're interested in that, yeah. where can they get all of this goodness? Because like I said, this is just tip of the iceberg stuff. It goes a lot deeper. It's not beyond your, your uh, you know, it's not beyond you to be able to be able to do this. It's not so deep that you're going to have to break out the, you know, find the Talmud and the Mishnah and everything. You're, you're, it's all right there. They have They have laid it out for you. And it is all there for you. So tell the folks, where can they get all this good stuff?
1: Yeah, well, you can go to www.firstcenturyyouthministry.com. That's our website where you can purchase the curriculum. And you can, we're actually in the middle of a cohort right now. And we'll be doing another one uh, in the next few months. So people can stay up to date on that. But really. The place that we would really love for you to come hang out is on our Facebook group and um, get to know us mm-hmm. and comment and all that kind of stuff and start some dialogue and, and discussion. Uh, so that's First Century Youth Ministry. We have a closed group and we have a fan page as well. Um, but we would love to just connect with people and get to know them and um, and they can send us an email at firstcenturyyouthministry@gmail.com at too. If can you I join the Facebook
0: group? Can I join? Can I go? Totally, Paul. I'm in. You're in already. Yeah. I'm in. Okay. Let's make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> just wondering. Just just yeah. want to make sure I was good to do. You're that. a friend of the show. You're totally good.
2: <laughs> and now, I guess we are. And now I guess we are too.
0: You are. You're a friend of this show. We're all friends together. Yeah. yeah. Now, where okay. can they reach out to you individually? Uh, as far as if they wanted to, just like I said, you have the email there. But maybe uh, they want to hit you on social somewhere. Do you do you have any of those? Mm.
1: Well, Mark and I, we have our own like. Mark and I are old. So the only thing that we're really on is Facebook and mine is like, I usually only accept people who are like, I know in, in real life. So I would just encourage people to go to our Facebook group and that'd be the best way to dialogue and contact and talk with Mark and I, yeah. If you tag us in
2: anything in the group, we'll get right on it. And you can always email us directly. I mean, the Mm -hmm. the email, the first century email comes to us directly Yeah. and it is not hard to hit us up and join a cohort where, where we get to for six weeks, walk through these parables with you Mm -hmm. and specifically figure out what is practical discipleship look like in light of what we see Jesus doing and teaching here. And it's like bonkers cheap. I think we charge like a hundred dollars or pay what you can for six weeks of baller training. And it's stuff that I didn't learn until doctoral studies. I mean, it's really an uppercut made approachable to like your seventh graders
1: yeah it's good
2: that is the deal guys guys thank you so much for being on
0: the show today and I know that those that are watching those are listening if you have if you're if you have you know any questions uh, of course if you're watching this on YouTube you can go ahead and comment down below if you have further questions there uh, also if you're listening I'll put the links down in the show notes you can check that out and uh, join the Facebook group that is the straight line right directly into the veins of Mark and Heather and Heather won't <laughs> blow her whistle at you. If you do anything wrong, she she's well, she might, she might just be careful. be careful as you go. So I won't, I don't even have a whistle. It's okay. <laughs> I <laughs> love you, it Paul. guys. Thank you so much Thanks, for being Paul. on the show, guys. We'll talk to you later. Wasn't that an awesome, awesome episode. I mean, these guys just put their hearts into it. Heather and Mark do such a fantastic job, and I hope that you will check out their resources. Once again, there are links down in the show notes. Check out their six weeks. I have taught it myself, and it is a great, great series to help your students understand what the what Jesus is saying by uh, sharing these par- parables the way he does. So check it out, and don't forget, there are the links down below to the Easter Lent bundle. I hope that you'll check that out. And don't forget youth workers. If nobody has told you lately that you're doing a great job, let me tell you, you're doing a great job. And by the way, God, I I believe I'm echoing what God is saying. You're doing a great job. You're putting in the work, you're putting in the time, you're putting in the love and the effort and all that to help make disciples, to help these students become lifelong followers of Jesus. You're doing the very best you can you're just going to get better. You're going to keep learning. You're going to keep growing. Don't beat yourself up. Just keep at it. Keep praying. The Lord's going to help you. And I hope that today's podcast is a part of that journey for you. And it's going to help you become better in all you do. So you're doing a great job. Keep it up. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.